truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on The Blaze, radio, TV, and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todd Erzin. And his name is Aaron McIntyre. What's your name? Can we be friends? 888-900-3393 is the number. You can also uh, email us if you'd like to do that. Uh, Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We've got some Theology Thursday coming your way uh, in the next hour of the program. Uh, we're going to answer a simple little question. Prove the existence of God. That's it. You know, I I really wasn't sure what to talk about, and someone sent me that question on Twitter. So I thought, why not? We'll go with that. I love that somebody sent it to you on Twitter, too. Yeah, they DM'd yeah. it to me on Twitter. Actually, it was one of my sports accounts. Someone sent me this question. <laughs> yeah. So Before we do that, before we jump in, to make sure we're all clear, you know, and all our faculties are in order, have you confessed your sins to NBC about climate change? I I, I don't know if we can approach this with a soiled... Do we, do we have any plants uh, here in the office where I could uh, walk over there uh, like they do at Union Theological Seminary and uh, ask for absolution yeah. from the plants? I mean, are we serious or not? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. All right, so we'll get to that next hour. Uh, at the bottom of this hour, Aaron will have uh, three non-political questions for us. Before we get started, though, you're right to be looking for ways to protect your wealth, your retirement savings, and your finances from trade wars, currency wars, and biased media doing everything they can right now to instigate uh, a recession so that they can hopefully get the outcome election they want the next time. And, and many of us are just working too hard uh, to put our money in the hands of scheming politicians and fake news. So that's your right to be looking around to say, hey, where can I go to try to exempt myself from this as much as possible? I saw <clears throat> yesterday more evidence of a manufactured economy, the Fed's cutting rates. Again, Wall Street, the stock market did not like that. Here, here's what you need to do. All right. And and I get why there's a uh, an obsession right now with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and all that stuff. It's because people who are independent minded don't want to be anybody's sheeple, work really hard, want to find a way to protect their productivity from fake news and even faker economies. But why take a chance on trying to avoid take a chance taking a chance? Go where This has proven to be a successful strategy for centuries, all right? Gold has been the answer, time and tested. It has been the answer for people like you, uh, people that are trying to protect their wealth from those who want to get their grubby little hands on and didn't do any of the work that you did to acquire it, all right? Gold is where smart and successful people have gone for centuries to avoid scheming politicians and bureaucrats, all right? If you want to learn more about the timeless truth about gold, going to offer you today a free report and DVD from our friends at Swiss America. You can go to their website, SwissAmerica.com. That's the website, SwissAmerica.com. Or simply give them a call, 800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. Again, this is free. What do you have to lose for free? Just find out, you know, do I really need to take a shot at this really capricious 
Bitcoin market, cryptocurrency market, or can I try something that has proven throughout the test of time to stand the test of time? SwissAmerica.com, 800-289-2646. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Blackface. When the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, isn't setting off in his jumbo jet to meet with other world leaders at posh resorts to talk about climate change, apparently he spends his time painting his face black. Over a period of about 12 hours, a couple of photos and one video surfaced showing the Prime Minister in his youngerish days wearing blackface. In response, Trudeau said... I'm here to set the record straight. I totally did all of it. I'm sorry, I got the clips mixed up again. Here you go. I've, I've always, uh, and you'll know this, been uh, more enthusiastic uh, about costumes uh, than uh, is somehow, uh, is sometimes appropriate. Does this make me a bad boy? You tell me. No, really, tell me. This is all stupid, of course, but it is nice to see leftists hung by their own petard. Canada's election is on October 21st. And now learning Spanish today, today's phrase is a prayer for Mr. Trudeau. Ralph Northam bless you and keep you. Ralph Northam make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Ralph Northam lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Ralph Northam te bendiga y te guarde. Ralph Northam hace que su rostro brille sobre ti y sea amable contigo. Ralph Northam alza su rostro sobre ti y te da paz. Moving on, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is in danger of losing control of his country's government. Votes are still being counted in Israel after this week's election. As of Thursday, 68.6% of votes were reportedly counted with neither Netanyahu nor his challenger, former military chief Benny Gantz, garnering enough support to form a coalition with a majority. Asked about these developments, President Trump said, No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Everybody knew it's going to be very close, and we'll see what happens. And Look, our relationship is with Israel. We'll see what happens. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Also, President Trump almost spilled some classified beans regarding border security. And one thing we haven't mentioned is technology. They're wired so that we will know if somebody's trying to break through. And you may want to discuss that a little bit, General. Sir, there could be some merit in not discussing that. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Also, in Trump-related news, and this is good, his administration is reportedly sticking the EPA on San Francisco because their homeless population is posing a serious environmental problem by sending tremendous pollution into the ocean. Pete Buttigieg is finally responding to the explosive discovery of over 2,000 dead baby body parts at the home of a notorious South Bend, Indiana abortionist. Like everyone, uh, I find that news out of Illinois extremely disturbing, and uh, I think it's important that that be fully investigated. I also hope that it doesn't get caught up in politics at a time when women need access to health care. There's no question that what happened is disturbing. It's unacceptable. Joe Walsh tweets, Friends in Iowa, join us tonight for a pop-up in Des Moines celebrating our team's first official trip to the Granite State? Come on, man. NBC launched a new tool recently called Climate Confessions, where people can go on this website and share all their guilt about wrecking the environment. Quote, even those who care deeply about the planet's future can slip up now and then. Tell us, where do you fall short in preventing climate change? Do you blast the AC? 
throw out half your lunch, grill a steak every week, share your anonymous confession with NBC News. Here's a sampling of some of those confessions. I eat meat every day and won't stop because it's good. I don't do anything for the environment. I don't care. I use a lot of Q-tips. I can't find a better alternative. I'm eating bacon with breakfast this morning and I'll have it again tomorrow. I just don't care about any of it. Beto O'Rourke is back out there on the drumbeat for gun confiscation. Are you, in fact, in favor of gun confiscation? Yes, when it comes to AR-15s and AK-47s. And I don't want you or anyone else to get into the fear-mongering that some have fallen prey to, saying that the government's going to come and take all of your guns. What we are talking about exclusively is weapons of war that have no place in our homes, no place on our streets, and should remain on the battlefield. I hear you. We'll talk law first and then politics. It's not about fear-mongering. You just said it, Beto. You said you're going to confiscate guns. I don't think you can do it legally. The Heller case uh, makes it pretty clear that there's an individual right to own, and I don't think we've ever seen the U.S. government do a taking of private property like what you're suggesting. So I'm not fear-mongering. I'm repeating what you're saying. Union Seminary tweets, We've had many questions about yesterday's chapel conducted as a part of somebody's class. Extractivism, a ritual liturgical response. In worship, our community confessed the harm we've done to plants, speaking directly in repentance. This is a beautiful ritual. And finally, I think at this point we just need a cat video. Reggie, don't eat him. And that's what happened? Well, we were away. That's me most days. Right there. Which one? The cat yes, or the dog? Yes. <laughs> yes. Notice I didn't clarify. Yes. Who's to judge? <laughs> yes. Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by next year's cruise through history that uh, Glenn Beck and some of the VIPs here at The Blaze are leading you on. If you'd like to go, it's a once-in-a-lifetime trip. Greece, Rome, Uh, Also, uh, Jerusalem, you're going to walk where the disciples walked. You're going to witness where the Republic was born, where notions of capitalism and commerce uh, were planted. Um, This is where Western civilization began. And um, it's, it's where we get our own little version of it here across the pond that we like to call American exceptionalism. Really, it gets you to the genesis. You see what I did there? It gets you to the genesis of what it is we as conservatives are trying to conserve. So that's the good news. Here's the bad news, though. There aren't too many spots left. So if you've been holding back and wondering, can we make it roll? You probably don't want to slow your roll any much uh, longer. All right, so go to the website, comesailaway.com. You'll get all the details on the various packages there when you do. And notice that it's an all-inclusive trip as well. So airfare, gratuities even, everything can be counted in. All right, and yes, you can take the kids and the grandkids. There'll be plenty of fun stuff as well. Comesailaway.com is the website. Do it before it's too late. Comesailaway.com. All right, so let's get to what uh, is in Aaron's goodies bag uh, here this morning. Let's start at the end with Union Seminary, which long ago was taken over by progressivism and is a living, breathing example of why on this show for years. In fact, I was curious when we started talking about this, 
on this program that progressivism was a cult. And so I, did, I, I don't keep records of that stuff in my own folders. So I just did a Google search with my name and progressivism is a cult. And I found stuff going back to 2013, 2014. <clears throat> so we've been talking about that here on this show for years. And more and more people are talking about it now. What do we mean when we say this? It's not a talking point. It's just not, all right? <clears throat> and it, it is meant to be provocative, but everything that's provocative isn't clickbait. When Paul calls a heretic a son of the devil, it's provocative, but it's not meant to be clickbait. When, when, when Christ says you're a brood of vipers, a den of thieves, and whitewashed tombs, fairly provocative, but it's not clickbait. All right, not everything that provokes you is clickbaity. And you know, we've kind of gone this other way now where everything I don't want to believe is is clickbaiting me. You know, uh, welcome to your childlike existence. Another one is the only reason you don't love Donald Trump as much as me or hate him as much as I'm obsessed with hating him is because you're a grifter. What a great existence you must have where you've just convinced yourself that the only reason anyone would ever disagree with me is they're on the take. Welcome to the fifth grade. You made it. Muy bien. Some more Spanish for you today. There's a few other words I was about to say in Spanish, but I wasn't sure if I could get away with saying them in Spanish or not on the program. So I decided to self-edit. You're welcome. So when we talk about this being paganism, it's, this is a purposeful provocation. This is pagan. What do we mean by pagan? Well, it, well essentially any religion... That, that doesn't worship the one... Tr there, there's two definitions of paganism like there is of evolution. There's the, the macro definition and then there's the micro one, okay? So the macro notion of evolution is Darwinian processes, random natural occurrences. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody. I've been to Answers in Genesis. I don't know anybody there that denies smally evolution, that there has not been examples of adaptation and, and, and species evolution, including within the Homo sapien, over the course of history. All right, so there's small e evolution, and then there's big E evolution, which is, is it on a macro level, the source of the origin of what we call existence, just pure, random, natural occurrences. Um, similarly, there is, there's macro paganism, which essentially is any religious observance outside of the recognition of the one true God of the universe is pagan. All right? So any religion or religious rite or observance or practice that seeks to worship anything other than the one true God of this universe is pagan. But then on a micro level, there's paganism, meaning it has its own unique it's intentionally pagan. Like, I, would, I, I believe Islam is a pagan religion. But it doesn't intend to be pagan. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yep. Yes. It, it, it believes that it is worshiping the one true God of this universe. And, and so, therefore, I would debate a Muslim different than I would debate a Wiccan, for example. Because a Muslim is beginning with a lot of the exact same premises that I'm starting with. It just answers them differently. But beginning with there's only one God. There's only one true creator. It's more copycat than specific departure. Or, or, or 
you know, a, a delineation yeah, yeah. or a departure of a, of a theme. Yes. The, the pagan denies that from the outset. Right. All right. And so confessing your sins to plants as they're doing at Union Theological Seminary is absolutely reasonable and, a, and, and, a, and an excellent way to seek absolution for your sins. If you're a druid, if you're a druid, and coming up at the harvest at Union Theological Seminary, see our wicker man, right? This is intentional paganism. This is in, intending to worship the things of the natural order, intending to ascribe properties and values and roles and sovereignties that belong to God alone to entities that are not godly. That is intentional paganism. Is that an okay definition? Mm -hmm. I would say so, yeah. And that is what spirit of the age leftist progressivism is. It is intentionally. It is intentionally. I would argue with my non-Messianic Jewish friends, is Jesus Messiah or not? I would argue with my LDS friends, was, was Joseph Smith a prophet or not? But that's not an intentional paganism. That, that, that is a different definition or understanding, one that I would debate, if you wanted me to, of what really are the true properties, roles, values, sovereignties of God. Paganism attempts to hijack all of those things and impute it into things that are not godly themselves. That's why there's always blood rites uh, and I don't mean the I don't mean a sacrificial lamb like human sacrifice. That's why paganism always has human sacrifice. So does ours. Abortion. That's why paganism always has fertility or sex rights. The idea of the divine feminine, the idea of tapping into the the the, the you know where I could go to get um, you know I could I could get a a pregnancy that I've been seeking out fertility or fertility for my crops. These are inherent. Our culture, as it has sunk more and more into child sacrifice, has sunk more and more into obsession with sexuality. That's not a coincidence. Those are the hallmarks of paganism on a micro level. When I am now intentionally saying there is no one true God. But there's vast other avenues to acquire knowledge. And a lot of them are found in ungodly places and union theological seminary which was hijacked decades ago by leftist progressives is now after you know 30 years ago if i would have called them pagans they'd have lost their damn minds now they put out viral videos confessing their sins to plants why because there is no accommodation between light and dark and there never is going to be and the dark will lie to you that it absolutely wants accommodation. Just, you know, give us a seat at the table here. And then after it's got the majority of the seats at the table, you're going to find Tolerance Boulevard is always a one-way street. That's why also in the, in the political world, which is, a, which is an outcome of our worldviews and religious beliefs, 
in politics is how we do civil war, but ethically it's faith and ethics in action is what it is. And just five years ago, if we would have called Democrats socialist, we would have been called every name in the book. Hell, three years ago. Now Tom Perez, their new, RN, their new DNC chairman, says we're socialists. So there you go. They always were. They didn't just become socialists. This has been socialism for decades. They just think it's safe to admit it now. And Union Theological Seminary didn't just become pagan. It's been pagan for decades. They just think it's safe to admit it to you now. So they're going to. They're going to go for the hard sell. Iowa is not the granite state. And if that is, if for those of you that don't understand why Aaron singled that point out, New Hampshire is. If that's your opening salvo here, brother, I think it's time to bust out the George Costanza tap. You gave it your best shot. All right. You're trying. Just, we get it. You gave it the old college try, but uh, move along. Thank you. I just, all right. This thing from the beginning, it's like... That's like you, an unforgivable political know, sin. Did yeah. you know what you were doing, Mr. Yeah. Walsh? From I, the I just, very beginning, that, this whole thing has been a clown show. That's an unforgivable political sin to do stuff, something like that. I, I just, that can't be your opening salvo there. I mean, you're getting, I mean, the, the, the stereotypical East Coaster who does not have a flying clue about want, flyover it, it, country. It, it's actually worse because he lives in Chicago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's actually worse. <laughs> Is it a cry for help? Was it I, purposeful? I, I, you, almost a subconscious yes. plea, get me out of this. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's, but that's a really bad mistake as your opening salvo. There's a part of that uh, Pete Buttigieg clip. And again, Pete Buttigieg is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, where this yeah. worse than Gosnell serial killer operated for years. Did you notice he said the news out of Illinois? Yep. Did you notice that part? Mm-hmm. The news out of Illinois. Yes, I've seen it. Nowhere does he acknowledge this is in my town that I'm the mayor of. They pulled this out of premises I preside over as the duly elected mayor of South Bend. These came from his home. Yeah, and his home was located in Illinois, so right. that's, his, that's his cop out there. Yeah, that's the cop out there, but that's, that's a... It's, it's, it's incredibly disingenuous. Yes, it is. Because I mean, there is... There, where he was doing this was in South Bend, Indiana. I mean, that's there, where his clinic was. There is, you know, faint praise for your rival team, and then there's <clears throat> space bar, space bar, space bar, space bar. I'm yes. shocked by the news out of Illinois. Yeah, just total disassociation. You guys are just making this political. Yes. Yes, you cannot make the killing of children political. Only people with my belief system can do it. All right? So... um. Again, thank you for playing. And this is another excuse. Another, if he wasn't gay, this would be over right now. But be warned. Right now, someone who someone will come. All right, in the future, someone will come. Um, a man of a man of darkness will come, who's been keeping notes about this amateur hour attempt that this mayor of an armpit town in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, and can see, wow, this guy has like no talent, hasn't thought this through on any level whatsoever. And look how far he was able to get doing this. Way do they get a load of me. A professional. A professional man of lawlessness. 
is, is somewhere right now watching all of this. And we need to be aware of it. This is coming next. This is the JV team here. And maybe not even that. All right. That's Buttigieg is not even maybe the JV team. Okay. This is, but, but there is a man of lawlessness somewhere who has been watching all of this and seeing how far he has gotten with no qualifications or preparation for the task that he's embarked upon whatsoever. And they're thinking, you know what? Wait, wait until the professionals try this. And we better be ready, Todd, because that's what's coming. This is like the trailer to the movie. All I can hear is the Joker voice now. Wait till they get a load of me. And I use that reference on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, they're, we're going to get a better class of heretic here very soon. Be ready. It's coming. Um, I have to make a point of this. I mentioned this before we went on the air, and I have to, I have to, I have to note it on the air. I, I just user achievement level Jedi Master unlocked. Trolling San Francisco with EPA violations, I, I just, it's masterful. You're going right? to vote for Trump a couple of times, aren't you? I, I mean, I, I just, the beast. I, and you know what's masterful about it is it's substantive because this is a real problem there, right? I mean, they're, they're pooping in the streets, the drug needles in the ocean, okay? But you can tell Trump wrote that. Or, or, or had some, some, some input on the wording with the phrase, quote, tremendous pollution. You know Trump wrote that. You know that he did. Because that sounds like something he would have put, it on, put on Twitter or said in a press. Well, they've got tremendous pollution in what San kind Francisco. Of pollution? Tremendous. What kind? Tremendous. All right. That, though, that's a quality troll because it's substantive. It, there's absolute substance to it. That city's a hellhole. I, I mean, I was last there in 2012 or 2011. It was a hellhole then. It was, it was a dirtbag city then. It's not any better, I'm sure, now. So you've got homeless folks dropping needles in the ocean, dropping deuces in the streets, and it's not because they've got irritable bowel. All right? They just they don't care. Okay? And, and, then to, and then to sick their own idol after them. I mean, that's almost like that's almost like Samson going down to like the Philistine temple, grabbing some idol to pan or or to Dagon and then just going out back and whipping their ass with it with like their own idol. Just hit him in the face that's, with it. That's what he just did. And man, I got to give it up. I, I, I mean, I, I most of the trolling has had no substance to it. It's just been low-lying fruit. But folks, this is this well, is masterful, is what this because is. it's not funny. And you, this is funny. So yes. you said you have permission to be ruthless. You, yes, you can't see any daylight between this tweet and a Babylon B tweet. And if this that's can, exactly right. If this can be maintained, yeah, watch out. This is this is this is that's a great point. This is like if the Babylon B was allowed to act on their salient observations with public policy. I mean this this is. It's one of the, this is now, if this is what we want to define as owning the libs, I'm in. I'm in on this. The marriage of rhetoric with policy. All right? I I have no problem with the rhetoric. I've used even worse rhetoric than Trump going after these people over the years. But it's to the point of getting to a policy outcome. 
not just to get, you know, ratio, not ratioed on Twitter. And I still don't even know what that means. So maybe I used it in the wrong context. How about a lot of likes? I'll go with that. Okay. Like I'll tweet something controversial and someone will comment. Well, I'm just here for the ratio. I'm like, is that bad? I mean, it's when more people comment than like or retweet. Okay, so is that supposed to make means, me? It's supposed it, to make hurt you my feel, feelings. Yes. Okay. Well, yes. it doesn't. So good luck to you. You may do that nonetheless. <laughs> all right. Um, but but I'm all for this kind of rhetoric and tactic if it's to get to a policy outcome like this one. If you can, when you, if and when you marry those things, oh. Now you've got a Death Star without a thermal exhaust port, all right? Now you have a perpetually self-perpetuating, devastating weapon. It's just all too often this is just done for clicks and funny ha-has and retweets. But if we're going to do this in order to gain a policy advantage, because I got into this business for, public, for policy, right? That's our driving force is we want to influence public policy. And, and therefore, to do this and to, and to throw this out the day that MSNBC is doing their own climate uh, thing with the Democratic presidential candidates, it's going on right now. And to drop this today when this is going on, I mean, I just, you know what? White House gets a, a one-day reprieve from me, all right? I've got, I got nothing bad to say today. This, this is masterful, masterful. Back in a moment. Millions of Americans struggle every day with chronic pain. This is pain that comes from inflammation in the body. If you're one of them, Relief might just be one starter kit away. Relief Factor is so confident in their product that they offer you the opportunity to try it for three weeks for just a dollar a day to see if it will work for you. And I have to tell you, as someone that's been using this for months now, I, I would I would affirm their confidence that it's a fantastic product that's made a big difference uh, in, in my flexibility, uh, lack of soreness, post-workout recovery. I'm even sleeping better now. So I, I can't say enough good things about Relief Factor, which is why I would urge you, do what I did, take advantage of the starter kit. Just try it for three weeks, what do you have to lose for a dollar a day except maybe finally, hopefully, the pain? And it's all natural, 100% drug-free. It's a formula. It's a four-ingredient, natural-ingredient formula specifically designed by physicians to help your body unleash its God-given potential to push back on inflammation. Try it right now. Get the starter kit for a dollar a day, 20 bucks for three weeks at relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Before we get to three questions, there's actually now a third instance of blackface with uh, yeah. Justin Trudeau that came out this morning. And there's even video of this. Uh, it dates back, I think, to the 1990s. You know, Aaron was homeschooled. So, you know, he didn't hang around in a lot of these white privileged enclaves. I mean, he was learning, he was learning canning, right? Yes. He was canning peaches. So, no, I was canning essential oils. Uh, th- thank you. And <laughs> grinding your own cornmeal. How's yeah. that doily on your head, by the way? Oh, it's and good. It's, it, it, it says it, hello. It's pretty handy because I mean, you just take it right off your head, dust off the those end tables you make, and slap it right back on there. Well, know? yes, yeah. I mean, it's it's multifunctional. Now, for those of us that grew up in in the rest of America, uh, you know, where white privilege reigns, like you and I did, Todd. Um, 
stop me if you guys ever had these conversations. And, and in fact, I want to use the the white man's voice that when I used to listen to gangster rap back when, in my pagan youth, this is how they would always in, in, in impersonate white folks, okay? I <clears throat> can I make my butt like really tight? Yes, um, what are we doing this evening? Well, um, let's see. I was thinking about stopping over at the men's club for a brandy and a prostitute. And then on my way home, uh, you know, making, uh, picking up uh, some Cuban cigars that I had illegally imported. And then at about 7.45, we're putting on blackface. <laughs> Did you guys ever have that conversation? No. No? What the hell is it with these leftists in blackface? What is it with these? I don't understand this. Who does this? I've been around white people my whole life. My whole life. No one ever said. What do you think about putting on some blackface tonight? No one ever said this. Ever. My dad that raised me was a racist. And he was also a Democrat. Maybe there's a tie there. I don't know. Okay. I heard the N-bomb all the time growing up. One of the reasons I started playing basketball and got good at it is he thought it was the black man sport. And that was another way for me to rebel. All right. Yet, not even in between joints did I ever hear Dave say, and after we're stoned, we're putting on blackface. And in the morning, I'm making waffles. That never happened. That never happened. Who does this? And I'd like to just say it's a Canadian thing, but it was in, it's in Virginia too. What do Virginia and Canada have in common? Nothing except there were leftists in those two communities who, when they were young, thought this was fun. I went to frat parties in college. I never. Did you ever see anybody in blackface? Never. Never. What is it with you? What is wrong with you people? Who does this? Who? I've never seen this in my life. It's just, it's, I. You never saw this. Never. Never, neither did I. And I went to the University of Wisconsin. Yeah, 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 or there's plenty of leftists there. A few. I loved his excuse, Uh, obviously. uh, I took my costumes too far. Yes. (laughs) Three times? I remember, do you remember when the movie um, Soul Man came out with C. Thomas Howell? Oh, yeah. That was a huge hit movie back in the day. Yep. After that, did you guys come to school in blackface? No. No? No, never did. Did anybody even joke about it, talk about it, like ever come up? Like, did anybody ever say, hey, you know, wouldn't it be funny if we all, you know, dressed up for Halloween in blackface? Did you ever hear that? Nope. No. What are the Ayatollahs thinking right now, though? They should come out in blackface and just completely <laughs> trigger, see, just watch the, the West. Yeah, see the West just melt <laughs> down. All right, but I, you know, I remember when Ted Danson got in trouble for this when he was right? married to Whoopi Goldberg right? in the '90s. He showed up at a roast in blackface, and I, I guess I don't know, man. I, I grew up, you know, and I, I was taught Al Jolson's the jazz singer. You know, with blackface was was a racist trope. I used to watch the blue and the gray and North and the South, and we always rooted for the Union guys. You know, I I I, I don't know. I I don't know what it is with you leftists and this blackface thing, but it it's just weird. It's really really weird. It's one of the weirdest things I've seen in my career. At this point, why don't you give us a list of you leftists who didn't wear blackface, so we can just all move on. That would be a shorter list at this point. 
Let's get to three questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. Aaron's three non-political questions brought to you by Keeps, who knows that losing your hair sucks, but what you may not know is that the cause of your hair loss could be a hormone called DHT, and now there's a possible solution. And no, it's not blackface. That won't bring your hair back. The FDA approved two hair treatment products to help control your DHT and prevent you from losing your hair. It's even triggered hair regrowth in a good percentage of guys. But until now, those products were very expensive and you had to visit doctors to get them. But here's the good news. Right now, Keeps offers the generic versions of those two approved hair care products. So not only now are they 90% effective, but they're substantially more affordable too via Keeps, which will help you to save your hair without ever having to leave your couch. Answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. Then it's shipped discreetly to your door, and right now we'll get you a special deal. Go to Keeps.com slash stop. Keeps.com slash stop. You'll get a free online doctor consult and your first month of hair treatments is free as well. First month of treatments is free at keeps.com slash stop. Aaron. All righty, because we need a little bake break, a little bake. Yeah, that's actually what we need as well, a joint. Uh, from the decline and fall of uh, Western civilization, three non-political questions. First non-political question is, if you could instill a newborn baby with one piece of advice, what would it be? Well, I, this, is, this is tough because I, their cognitive ability is very limited, right? So... You're saying like program, instill. yeah, in, instill. like an inst- so like it, it would have to be instinctive though, yeah. because even if I instilled something, their ability to to translate it, to you're, apply it, would be limited. Just think of it as physically conditioning their brain at um, the moment of, of of birth. So something they will take with them for the rest of their life. It would passive aggressive is no way to go through life, son. That would be my answer. You know what I. I, I think we kind of need to talk about that a little bit. You know what? You want no? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well played. That was good, Todd. Uh, Never mind. I, I'm, I, I, I tried to do it too. Sorry. Go ahead. Todd. How about uh, in this age we live in, uh, where love is love? I think love is sacrifice. Get them started with that. Mm. Yeah, I would say um, stay out of the ditch. Question number two. <laughs> uh, it's a two-part question. This uh, th- this one is all about Tom Hanks. I don't know why Tom Hanks was on my mind this week, but he was. What is your re- Mount Rushmore of Tom Hanks movies? And then a follow-up question. What one movie would be made exponentially better with Tom Hanks playing the lead? My Mount Rushmore of Tom Hanks Oof. movies. A League of Their Own's on there. Oh yes, uh, Big is is has the has the corner first chair. That was that's one of my all time favorite films. Um, 
so big is there it would be there a league of their own would be there you know i'm trying to do this without an imdb search because there's been so many films he has been in. i would this would be fun to have it right in front of us yeah look. so you know what you you think of a couple because i'm going to cheat uh, and do that it would okay saving private ryan there you oh, go yeah yeah uh for me because of the scene and i've i spent it on, forrest gump not in there Yep. All right. So well, this Forrest is, Gump is in there for sure. That, that was not the, the yeah. top one. I just yeah. there's just so many of these I forgot. Yeah. So Forrest Gump is is those are so if you throw in Saving Private Ryan. Although I got to tell you, I've, I've always thought the movie was overrated. Saving the Private opening, Ryan. The opening scene is great. It, it's one of the most incredible opening scenes in film history. I really don't like the rest of the movie. I, I thought they attempted to Vietnam World War II. Yeah, we don't know why we're here. We're just going through the motions, waiting to go home. That that always bugged me about that movie. In fact, I'm going to go with The Green Mile. I think it's actually better than Saving Private Ryan. So those would be my four right now. Although, do we count the Toy Story movies? No. No. So no. We, don't, we don't count a voiceover. It's got to be a live action movie. Yeah. All right. So the quality of the acting in uh, Captain Phillips yep. is ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, my my four are. I forgot he was in Bachelor um, Party with well, Adrian Zemed. I don't think I've ever remember seen Adrian Zemed from <laughs> T.J. Hooker in Grease Two. <laughs> yes. Somebody stabbed me for remembering that. <laughs> we haven't even. I'm talked sorry, about America. Volunteers. And if you want to know why we didn't get invited on the cruise through history, because I'm the only damn person that's ever mentioned Adrian Zemed ever at the Blaze. It's a fireball offense. Adrian Zemed. I'm sorry. Oh man, uh, I, I would say for me. Uh, Castaway is on there. I I know a lot of people think it's overrated. I, I think it's love, overrated. I love that movie. I think it's I think it's a great movie. It's not at, at the top of the list. I mean, obviously, uh, Forrest Gump is at the top of the list for me. So Forrest Gump, Castaway, uh, Saving Private Ryan, and then Captain Phillips. That's my Mount Rushmore. I, I've got to have Big Number One. Although and under Splash was, I was a great thinking about movie. putting Splash. Big Splash was a great movie when we were kids. But Big is an all time classic. All right, Big is number one for me. Forrest Gump is number two. Um, I'm going to put um, The Green Mile in there, which I think might be the best adaptation of a Stephen King book ever, um, at least in a film. And then I had a fourth one. We just mentioned it. And I forgot it. What was it? Um, we Bachelor said, Party? No, <laughs> I'm not putting Bachelor Party in there. I can't think of what the fourth one is. I get no, there's another one I'm missing. I forgot what it was. So I said Green Forrest Gump, The Green Mile, Big. I forgot it, so I guess I'll put Saving Private Ryan in there because of the opening scene alone. Although the rest of the movie no, bothers well, me. No, uh, baseball. Um, oh yeah, the, the League, League of Their, of their own. own. Yeah, League I like a League of Their Own better yeah. than Saving Private Ryan. So those are my four. I make Todd. that clear as mud. Yep. Okay, Todd. Saving Private Ryan, League yep. of Their Own, Captain Phillips, and it, I think it would be Forrest yeah. Gump. So, so just to clarify, because I'm now confused, mine would be Big Forrest Gump, A League of Their Own. And The Green Mile. Those gotcha. would be my four. Okay. So what movie would be made exponentially better if Tom Hanks were cast as the lead? Movie would be made better if Tom Hanks was cast as the lead. Exponentially better. Exponentially better. Yeah. Um, you, you go first on this one, Todd. i got to think for a second. Well, clearly not The Last Jedi. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Todd. Todd. Even Aaron. You've lost Aaron. All right. I just it's when you've just, lost Aaron on your jihad on your fatwa. It's just it's the, time. The it's time, Yasser. It's time, Mr. Arafat, to let it rest. Dead. It's All right? just laying there limp, and you keep <laughs> on getting a bat and just that's beating why, it to a pulp. That's why it's great. That's why it's so fun. Exponentially well, better. We, you know what? I'll give you one. Um, 
Tom Hanks as Lex Luthor in Batman versus Superman. Even though yeah. I think Jesse Eisenberg's ah. performance is actually not that bad. Wow, bold play, Cotton. Okay. I, like, bold play. That is who is that is who was cast in there, right? Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. His, yeah, his, 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 his performance actually is not that bad. But I, I think what people struggled with is it just that he lacked the gravitas to see him just as the mental match for these two titans. So I'll, I'll go with that. Very interesting. I don't know that I can match that. And it, it, just, you went? it, it just continues with my ongoing need. It, it's really one of my life goals at this point because I just love these characters so much. I grew up on them. It might, it, it, I have to see the DC universe fixed. I just have to. I, I got to see it fixed, man. Especially now, you know, John Campia over at, uh, who's a great movie blogger, Big Lib. Well, he's in Hollywood, of course. But he's, his, his stuff on fanboy movie blog stuff is a must watch. His, his videos on YouTube is what he puts out on Twitter. If you're in the fanboy movie kind of and action movies and that stuff, his stuff is, I mean, I agree with him almost every single time. And he, the other day, was talking about, I'm trying to get excited about this new Marvel slate, man, and I can't. Yeah. He goes, it just feels like it's Saved by the Bell, the new class, is, is what he compared it to. And I was like, yikes, this is the Time Warner, and you're, you're actually Time Warner. So come on, Warner Brothers. All right, you know what? Hire me. I can fix this at, for pennies on a dollar, man. I promise you. That's like my new obsession right now. That, that is my reverse. You, 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 want, you want to be reinforced that Star Wars is irre, irre, irrevocably broken. That's how mad you are at it right now. You, you're like me as a Detroit Lions fan. Like mm-hmm. You need to see it go 0-16. You need to see them hurt for what you believe they've done to you. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the other way around. I, I need to save the DC universe. I, 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 need, to re, I need to redeem it. I, and I just, this is my thing. I have to get in there and do that. Someone give me the chance to do that, please. Do you think it went, Todd? I'm, I'm failing on this one. I will keep pondering, though. Marley and me. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Owen Wilson was not enough for you? Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, he nailed it in Turner and Hooch. There's another classic. <laughs> That'd have been funny if you'd have dropped that when you'd been like he was actually in that. But <laughs> yeah, um, got one more question. Okay, Let's go quickly. Yes. Uh, what's one popular conspiracy theory that you really want to be true? Um, that Chris Christie was really making midnight McNugget runs for Donald Trump on a whim. I, I, I that's that's the conspiracy that I need to be true. Okay. And, and here, you know what? In all seriousness, that there really is something at Area 51, since they're doing those raids all the time now, and people are getting arrested. I, I would like that. I'd like that to be true. I'd like there to be a reason why there's been so much obsession over this and so much secrecy and skullduggery. Okay, you know, and that guy that I listened to the one time I listened to the Joe Rogan experience, the guy that yeah, used to I say used to, to work that. there, Bob Lazar. Yeah, didn't he sound such a nice guy too? I'm like, I really don't want that guy to be clinically insane because he seemed like he's such a reasonable fella, you know? So that, that's my, that's my call. Go. Your time. These are tough ones today. I want to, I'm taking them too seriously. Yes, I think. you are. I think I am. How about that? Um, Russian collusion. The, <laughs> that, that fluoride in the water is really about mind control. Yeah. I want the uh, chemicals uh, that are making the frogs. I, I was going to say it, but I, I wanted to save it for you. I, 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 I mean, knew you had it teed up. 
nobody would ever wonder what a gay frog is, but now that it's kind of been broached, don't you kind of curious what that looks like? I, I, I guess if you want to go all froggy style, sure. I guess we can talk about that if you'd like. I was just talking about me. I just, you know, it's... Have you been paying attention to this weather outside? <laughs> Man, it's been hot. <laughs> the homeschool kid tried to go there, realized he was in way over his skis, and then he's back to grinding his cornmeal over there in the corner. <laughs> no moss! Did he just give us a Roberto Duran? No yeah. moss, no moss! I ain't going to do this show what's no the we- what's, what's the weather? What's the weather outside? Yeah, we're all fine here. How are you? <laughs> yes. Great. What a great segue to Theology Thursday that'll be. It yeah. is. Perfect. Yes. Uh, so here's what we're going to tackle with Theology Thursday. A simple little ditty, except it's not about Jack and Diane. All right? Does God exist? We're going to talk about it. And there's nothing else going on, right? Stay tuned. And greetings, back with hour number two, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, if you've got the time, we would sure be grateful if you took some of it to to leave us a five-star review wherever you choose to podcast from, because the more of those we get, the more likely we are to find more people like you. It's kind of a weird thing where like the algorithms don't want to help you find more listeners until you show you actually have some. It's a little bit like when you were younger applying for a job and they'd say, well, I like your, uh, like your gumption kid, but you have no experience. And you're like, well, how do I get experience if you don't give me a job, right? I mean, if I, you know, I, I don't know. But it was the same way in high school with chicks, right? It always seemed easier to find a chick that was interested in you and you already had a girlfriend. And always seems easier to find a job when you've already got one you like, right? Like when you get fired from the job you like and you're face down in the dirt, exchanging needles and and stink bricks with the homeless in San Francisco, Berkshire Hathaway doesn't call you and say, what do you think about being our new regional VP then? (laughs) It doesn't happen then. It's always like, I really like the job I have right now. That's when they call. Well, it works that way with the algorithms as well. So it's not like when you're just kind of starting out, you have this plucky little outfit and you're like, hey, algorithms, magical algorithms, help me find listeners for my podcast. No, they kind of expect you to find some on your own and then they're willing to help you, right? Well, that's kind of how it works. And since they're Skynet right now, we kind of have to play by their rules. So the more of those we get, then the more the algorithms help us find more people like you and then the more likely we are to get to continue to do this. So thank you to the thousands of you that have sent us those five-star reviews and posted them already. If you don't like the show, don't lie. If you just kind of like the show, if you wouldn't mind embellishing though and just going all the way with that five-star, you know, just try it once, you, you might like it. All right, thank you very much. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. If you are wondering why you're not hitting your goals when it comes to your weight loss, and in the past, maybe there, there was another obstacle, like physical activity. If you've been sedentary for a long time, there's a lot of intimidation about starting exercise. You know, and, and a lot of times that's because we kind of look at, you know, people that have been at this for a long time, you're like, there's no way I can do this. But that's not where they started. You know, it, 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 activity can just mean, you know, um, an extended period of walking 
for example. Just little things you do to spur your metabolism on. Well, maybe you're doing those things now. Maybe you're actually working out a little bit more intensely. But you're still not seeing the results you'd hoped for. Well, your body was made, and so was mine. Our bodies were made, created to store and crave calories. Because it's only been, you know, really since the late 19th century, early 20th century, that food became convenient like anywhere in the world except to 1% of the population. And there's still plenty of places on the planet where food is not conveniently accessed. So with your bodies made to crave and store calories, you can see why after storing up too many calories over the years, maybe it might be a little difficult to try to cut back now and lose weight. That's where Riduzone comes in. Because see, your body was given a molecule that goes from the brain to, or from the belly to the brain to let the brain know when you're full. It's called OEA. But given where a lot of us are starting from nowadays, it needs a bit of a boost. And that's all Riduzone is. It's, a, it's an OEA supplement. It just boosts the OEA signal by adding more OEA to your body. It's vegan-friendly. It's gluten-free, FDA-accepted, because that's all that it is. This is not loaded with chemicals or additives, preservatives, caffeine. It's just about that OEA. If you want to give it a shot right now, get 30% off a three-month supply. 30% off a three-month supply when you use my name, Steve, as a promo code at riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Again, that's riduzone.com. Well, let's get to Theology Thursday, and I, I, I wanted to clear the deck with this one because we could go off in several different directions and maybe need to when answering this particular note. I, I received this via direct message on Twitter over the weekend. And I, I told the gentleman that sent it to me, um, hey, send me your best questions. And if you don't mind, I'll answer them on our show because it's a lot easier to do that than on Twitter or via DM. So the question is, Steve, you're a person of reason and logic, he said. He follows me. And like my sports prognostications and all the data and math and trends and things that we use in a lot of my sports handicapping. So he's like, you know, I, you're obviously a person that you like objective data. You use it in your, in your professional walk. So you like reason, you like information, you like data, which is why I'm, I'm curious why you have given those things such a strong belief in God. Now, here's the first thing I did when he sent me this note. One of the things we've talked about on this show before is what I call three-dimensional thinking. The first dimension is a biblical commandment from Peter himself. To know why you believe what you believe. Always be ready, Peter wrote, to offer up a ready defense for the hope that you have. And as I've talked to you before over the, <clears throat> over the years, pardon me, the Greek word that St. Peter uses there is apologia, which is where we get our term apologetics from, meaning to defend your beliefs. In this case, the Christian faith. So that's the first dimension. And if you don't know that, don't bother answering questions like this. And chances are, if you don't know this, you probably won't get questions like this. Okay, Unless it's from trolls, people that are not knowledge seekers or truth seekers. They'll see you as a mark, and then try to take advantage of you. So this is not, that first commandment is not an option. That is a commandment. 
you are, if you are a believer, you're to have reasons. Not emotions, sentiments, urgings, um, uh, you know, uh, intuitions, reasons, reasons. Why would you need reasons? So that you can reason. <laughs> All right. You need reasons so that you can reason. What sector of the body is primarily responsible for reasoning? A, your armpit. B, the sphincter muscle. C, your large intestine. Or D, your mind. Aaron. Um, boy, there's a million different directions I could go with I know. That, I, but, I, I but made the, it really opaque. Probably the mind. Um, final answer. The mind. Todd, where, where, where'd you go with that one? Don't Tricky, you. I know, but give it a shot. Don't gender me. I'm sorry. No, the mind. Yeah, thank you. So the reason we need to have reasons for why we believe what we believe. And, a, and belief is, in any case, in, in any instance, there's going to be an element of faith in accordance with a belief. So that's, a, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting commandment that Peter issues. Have reasons for your beliefs. Because in, in a lot of places in our culture, we think these things are in conflict. And Peter says, no, when this thing's working right, they're, they're supposed to actually be in right alignment. What do you need more, faith or reason? Yes. What is faith? The Bible defines that. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Evidence. The evidence of things unseen. You cannot see the wind, but if you ever went out into the road in a 40 mile an hour galing, gale, gale force wind and demanded people not believe the wind exists and said, you can't see the wind. Well, I can see the evidence of it. I can see the rustling leaves. I can see the fact that your hair right now looks like Donald Trump's on a tarmac. All right. I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of evidence right now that there is a wind. I mean, I, I cannot see the wind. I stick out my tongue. I cannot taste the wind. I can't hear it either. What I'm actually hearing is, it, is the wind rustling through other structures. But I see the evidence that the wind is there. And if I denied that evidence... Because it's so obvious, or to use the term our founding fathers would have utilized, self-evident that the wind is there. If I went out into the road demanding everybody agrees with me there is no wind, I, people would think I'm insane. Because they see the evidence of things unseen. So evidence is another word. Now, if you look it up in the original Greek, evidence it means evidence. That's what it means. Evidence. And I thought this was going to take the whole hour. We're done here, guys. I'm kidding. There's more. Um, but evidence. There, that there's, there's evidence for you to believe things. So faith and reason are not to be in conflict. They're, in, they're to inform and, and confirm one another. But we as believers have to reach that first 
threshold. Do we know why we believe what we believe? Then there's the second dimension of three-dimensional thinking. Why do other people believe what they believe? So the first, the first dimension is our foundation. We know why we believe what we believe. We have reasons for our faith. We have evidence of that which is unseen being real. That's our foundation. That's, a, that's not optional. That's part of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's, that is not optional. It is not optional for a Christian to have merely an emotional experience and, and of, a, of a feeling bad about their sins and a conversion and that being the rationale for why they're a Christian the rest of their Christian life. That's not, that's not orthodoxy. Then the second dimension, though, is where do people who don't believe what we believe, where are they coming from? This is now where we get to empathy. Empathy is required in any relationship that, that you want to be mutually beneficial and rewarding and compassionate and loving. Empathy is required in any of those relationships. To see where the other person is coming from. To see why they might be doing that or thinking that. And then for them to see the same. That's why I asked him when he asked me, how can you be a person of logic and, and reason and believe in God? I asked him, tell me what you're, what's holding you back. Give me the best reasons that, that, that you don't believe. I want to empathize with where he's coming from. Why? Well, because I actually, I, I care about this person and I want to give them a good answer. Yeah, I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself. If I went to somebody who works in the public eye, and no, I will never use the word celebrity, and if I do, fire me. But if I went to somebody who worked in the public eye, like I do, who had convictions that I wanted to understand but could not, you know, I would hope if they addressed me back personally, knowing the volume of, of contact that they receive elsewhere in their job, I would hope that they're doing so because... I mean, they, they care as much about why I think what I think as I do about what they think. That's why I ask them. You think we're less or more likely to reach hearts and minds with, with empathy or without it, do you think? Empathy is one of the things that separates us from the animals. When Paul says liars, thieves, adulterers, homosexuals, murderers, these do not inherit the kingdom of heaven, but such as once were some of you, that is a call for empathy. Which of these shoes did you walk in before you walked in here? The third dimension is to then know why people believe what they believe about what we believe. The reality is the number one reason people don't want to believe in God is they don't want to have to accept the consequences of accepting that belief. That's the number one reason. I don't want to have to change I don't want to admit I'm a sinner. I don't want to bow the knee to anything other than me. That, that's, that's the number one reason. But that's not always from a haughty spirit. That's not always out of arrogance. 
If you were abused by a priest, if you were molested by a youth minister at a, at a Bible camp, uh, if you really thought, you know, when I, when I call Benny Hinn and I send him this hundred bucks, I'm going to sow a seed. And I'm, I'm, at, I'm at my last straw right now. I'm up in the middle of the night, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to get drunk and I'm flipping channels and my wife's about to leave me and I lost my job. I don't know how to pay the bills. And I see some guy on here at 2 a.m. on this channel telling me that if I send him a hundred bucks, Jesus is going to pay my, my rent. And maybe I won't lose my family and lose, my, lose hope. And I scrape together the last hundred bucks I have, man, and I call that 1-800 number and I give him my credit card number. It's the last hundred bucks I have before I max out the limit. Nothing changed. Jesus didn't pay my rent. My wife left me. But I did see online that Benny Hinn flies in really exclusive uh, private jets a lot. That might be a reason you don't want to believe. It's not always out of arrogance that people don't want to believe. It could be they've been betrayed. They've, they've suffered a tragedy by somebody claiming to be wearing this uniform. I mean, you think about it. If, if ladies, if, you, if, if your last relationship, the guy treated you really poorly, or guys in your last relationship, if the lady did the same, are you eager right away, right after that, to just jump right back into another relationship? Or are you a little cautious? Maybe even a little bitter. That third dimension now is where we get to persuasion because I've made a connection with that person. By trying to know who they are and finding their story, I've shown them I care about them. They're not a construct, a formula. They're not a, a notch on my, on, on, uh, you know, my, uh, uh, my sheepskin Bible cover. Got another one for Jesus. This isn't a formula. And you know why relationship is so key in persuasion? Because we're all made in the image of God, who in and of himself is a relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is a, he is a relationship in and of himself, that the essence of God is relationship. And since we carry his mark and we're made in his image, we crave this as well. It's why we create, it's why 90 some odd percent of us will get married, even knowing going in what the divorce rates are. Regardless of our belief system, it's why we'll do it. The craving of a relationship. So, do we have the foundation, number one? Do we know why we believe what we believe? Do we have reasons? Do we have evidence? Number two, do we know why other people that don't believe what we do believe what they believe? Where are they coming from? That's empathy. This is where we begin to now establish a connection and a relationship. The third dimension is, do we know why they believe what they believe about what we believe? This is now where we move on to the art of persuasion now. Because there's integrity in this relationship. Some form of a bond has been established. And you're willing to listen to someone who otherwise you might not, who carried the same information. So that's why with that in mind, when he asked me, why do I believe in God? I didn't just list off a bunch of random reasons. I wanted to know why he didn't. Because here's a lesson I had to teach my, I, I had to be taught. 
This is, this is what I had to be taught several years ago. Do I want to be right? Or do I want to be faithful? Because sometimes those things are mutually exclusive. If I wanted to be right, and at other times in my life and in my faith walk and in my career, that was my driving force, to be right. I would have taken a question like that, regurgitated information. Send it off to a bunch of my buddies to show them, man, look how much, look how, look how much theology I just dropped here. Now, and that's now when you tell me how impressed you are, okay? And sometimes that works. A lot of times it doesn't. But it works for me. <laughs> All right, it works for me. There's not much love in my neighbors. I love myself there, but there's some love. I love you know. I love me some me there. All kinds of that. But then I had to learn the hard way. And how's, how's the hard way? Burning bridges, turning people away unnecessarily, making enemies that I didn't have to make. And eventually you learn that sometimes being right and being faithful aren't the same thing. And you know how you learn that? You have to learn that it's not about you. This exchange we're about to have isn't about me. It's about an estranged relationship between a father and his son. Which the father would like to renew. And when I share with you the rest of this note, you're actually going to find the lost son here, the lost sheep seems interested in renewing it too. He's just unsure of how to do so. So if I would have just gone off with all of my reasons and not found out what it is that he wants, he's looking for, I wouldn't have answered any of the issues he's about to bring up. You guys want to comment on that before we get to the rest of his note? Well, from a Catholic perspective, I think about this all the time. Creed is fundamental to faith. That 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 speaks to what Steve said about it. This isn't just an emotion. It isn't just one moment. Ultimately, faith is a, an assent um, uh, to a, to a creed. But in terms of that relationship, uh, that that creed just Steve could have cut and paste, sent it to him. Here's your start. Yep. That start is often a finish. And I'll tell you what, listen, I, I love theology and a good sermon, but there's a lot of, uh, uh, within uh, uh, my tradition, uh, priests and deacons who are solid in terms of riffing on that creedal statement, but they, they type up their white paper, they get there behind the pulpit, and then they proceed to read. And... I could go take a nap, even though there's some solid food in there. There's some fire and brimstone, but there's no relationship. Mm. There's just a lecture. The, the, the ones who get it, even if they're a little raw, even if it's a little too much 101 and you'd like a little bit more, but you take away when they're talking to you. When they get out from the pulpit, when they've done enough work to make make it clear to you that uh, my faith 
at its most important, when we're supposed to be sharing on this holy day, is something that I have committed enough in here that now I just talked with you about it. I, I, I can't, and there's other, I, I'm riffing on it in a particular way, but there's all manner of way to do what Steve is talking about, and you're going to see it coming up here. It's a person talking to a person. It's not a script talking to a construct. That is really, really, really well said, Todd. And I, I would add on to that and say this as well. The Great Commission, um, the, the, the uh, you know, the, what's the greatest commandment? Uh, love the Lord with all your, Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Um, along the lines of what Todd was saying. So that's, that's our, our job as Christians. But... Todd used the word creed, used the word doctrine. Doctrine is incredibly important to a believer's life because our love of God, our motivation for doing things the way God wants them to be done and living the way he wants us to live, our love of God flows out of and is derived from our knowledge of God. That is why doctrine is important and as it pertains to this conversation as well, a larger and a, and a growing love for God, uh, knowing him deeper and more fully, will result in forming those relationships and not just seeing people as constructs. Because the more you understand God, the more you'll be convicted of your own sin and the deeper God's grace will be found as well. And so out of that, mm -hmm. we'll be able to respond with and uh, to, to, you know, to, to really be in proper relationship with those around us and not just see them as, con on, as constructs, as arguments to be knocked down. Those of us that understand the intellectual aspect of this need to understand creedal doctrine's role. Creedal doctrine does not establish the relationship between you and your creator. Correct. It helps you to maintain the right relationship once it's established. How do I not veer off into some new fanciful age teaching or some new cultic movement or some new heresy? How do I stay on this narrow road? How do I stay faithful? Right? That, that's, that's, in a way, those vows that you make with your spouse, those are your creeds in your marriage. To have and to hold is for sicker or for poor, richer, for richer or for poor, I should say, in sickness and in health. Those are your creedal doctrines as a married couple. Did those, were, you, were you in a relationship before you made those vows? Did, they, did those vows establish your relationship? No. You were in the relationship, of the, the relationship predated the vows. The, the vows, the creedal doctrines that you commit to one another is, the, is, is how you pledge to stay faithful to each other now that this relationship is established. That is the goal of doctrine. But it's, it's, it's the relationship. Jesus, you've heard me say this before. Jesus didn't die for a creed. He didn't die for a theology. He died for people. Why? For the relationship. That's what was broken. That's what was severed. Irrevocably. And I think that's what's important for us to remember 
as we're going into an increasingly secular age. They don't. the The, the world doesn't need more more emotion, and it and it doesn't need more statement of, uh, you know, of of facts. What it's what it's dying for is a right relationship. That's what's missing. If you um, have been paying attention lately, you know corporate America is pretty much, with limited exceptions nowadays, totally against us, which is why it's funny to watch Elizabeth Warren and all these lefties go off about corporate America when they're the ones funding a lot of their causes, okay? I mean, the richest guy running for president is this Tom Steyer billionaire who's a hedge fund guy who's been involved in all kinds of global warming cults and everything else. Right, So that's why when there's an opportunity for us to do business with folks who are not using the money we give them to mobilize uh, causes that are working against our freedoms and liberties, take advantage of it, that's where Patriot Mobile comes in. It's the only conservative veteran-led mobile phone company. Uh, you've got plans starting as low as $25 a month with all of the other great uh, you know, uh, coverage you get from nationwide from every other carrier as well, except what Patriot Mobile has done since 2015 is donated about $2 million of the profits you've given them to the causes and values that you believe in. And right now, switching has never been easier. In fact, if you go to patriotmobile.com slash blaze, patriotmobile.com slash blaze, for a limited time, you can buy that Moto Z3 Play for only $10 a month and then get one for free when you activate two new lines of service. That's right. The first one, 10 bucks a month, and the second one free, that six-inch screen with the expandable storage and that high-quality camera and all the other accoutrements, you can get that deal only right now at Patriot Mobile. So visit patriotmobile.com slash blaze again patriotmobile.com slash blaze or you can give them a call uh if you're driving right now and going online you're like i don't want to forget about this so call them right now we got a commercial break coming up now is a pretty good time to do that okay 877-367-7524 is that number if you want to punch that into your phone all right to make the switch 877-367-7524 so now that we've established our responsibility in this relationship, it is time for the exchange. What is holding this listener back? We'll find out next right here as we continue Theology Thursday on the Steve Day Show live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Stay tuned. You know, those annoying robocalls, I'm getting more and more of them, even though I was assured I was on all these do not call lists. Um, in fact, the number one number calling my phone right now, it's my, my iPhone is telling me it's scam likely. Are you guys getting these too? Mm. Unfortunately, no. I'm getting a lot of spam calls, but I'm not getting the message saying spam likely. Or, yeah, or scam likely. Or scam yeah, likely. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you're getting those, uh, be wary. Scammers are using them to try to steal your home's title. Here's the problem. Uh, your home's title and mortgage records are kept online, and when a data breach occurs, like recently, millions of home titles and mortgages are exposed to thieves, and that's when the risk of home title fraud will skyrocket. Uh, they forge documents stating you sold your home, listing them as the new owners. Then they'll take out loans against your home and stick you with the payments, and no insurance, bank, or identity theft protection 
can protect you. But for pennies a day, Home Title Lock will put a virtual barrier around your home's title. If you're getting credit card or loan robocalls or mails, Home Title Lock will get you through that period if you end up getting scammed uh, with free 60 risk-free days of protection. In fact, take advantage of that so you don't get scammed. All right, 60 risk-free days of protection right now at HomeTitleLock.com. Don't be a victim, and maybe you already are and you just don't even know it yet. Protect your most valuable investment, your own home. HomeTitleLock.com. So, just to recap, somebody who follows my work primarily in the sports arena for years uh, sent me a note. Uh, DM'd me on Twitter and said, hey, I can tell by the way you handicap sports, you're into reason, data, logic. So I'm fascinated that you also believe in God. I asked him, tell me why you don't. Here's what he returned with. My skepticism mostly comes from one thing, my personal experience. I'm only 23, so you're about Aaron's age. But for several years, I've tried to develop a relationship with God by praying, reading scripture, etc., Through all of this, I've never felt a connection. Digging deeper for reasons, I've ran across quite a few arguments. Teleological arguments. If that's a fancy term, that there's it means more than this, but it means I'm impressed that he knows it, by the way. That's a smart cookie. It it means reasoning through things by deciphering their reason or purpose. Okay. There's more to it than that, but but understanding something by understanding its reason and purpose. Is, it, is, is key to that line of reasoning. Um, cosmological arguments, we've talked about those here on the show before. And while they appear to make sense, he writes, I don't know enough about physics to truly evaluate the claims. So it's more that I haven't been given a good reason to believe rather than I have reasons not to believe. I'd like to have God in my life, which of course probably makes helping me a lot more difficult for you, but I appreciate whatever you can come up with. Well, let me say this. Actually, it's the exact opposite. That doesn't mean, by the way, that uh, you know I'm going to introduce you here uh, to your heavenly daddy, and you guys are all going to live happily ever after after the next fifth, the final 15 minutes of this program. <laughs> all right, that's not what it means. But you, you, you're seeking. That's that doesn't make things more difficult at all. It's far more difficult to those who don't. Jesus said, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So what I'm sensing, and if I'm wrong, send me a follow-up DM and we'll correct it in a future episode. What I'm sensing is a frustration that you think you're knocking on the door and you're wondering, why am I not getting an answer? You guys think that's fair so far? Definitely, yeah. Uh, that's part of it. I, I, I hear something else. Can I offer it sure. now? Sure. Go ahead. That, I mean, he's coming in particular to you because he sees a kindred spirit. And intellectually, you mean? Intellectually, yeah. based on reason. But, you know, when you talk about this, and it's probably the number one reason, and when you share the emails we get on this show, he's he's looking for the elevation. He says, I'm not getting, he wants the feeling of faith. He wants the the rapture. He, I mean, he's... He's dying for that thing, but his he's prone to being comfortable in the land of reason uh, to get there, and he's not filing, finding what he wants yet. So there's a, there's a frustration, there. and listen, that's a frustration that's shared by no less than Mother Teresa, uh, So, which goes back to where you said, you're not lost. 
you're way more fun than you think, brother. Mm-hmm. And there's an old saying when in business negotiations, the last 10% of any business negotiation is always the hardest, right? So just tell you a little bit of my story. I, if you've listened to the show, you guys know my conversion happened at a Promise Keepers event in Kansas City, Missouri on September 18th, 2003. But, but I, I haven't given you the, the, the prologue to that, the prequel to that. See, before I went there that evening, I would have told you I was already converted. I'd been going to church for well over a year. The baptism certificates that my wife and I have framed in our bedroom, in our master bedroom at our home, are dated, I think, November of 2001. Or November of 2002, I'm sorry. So almost a full year Intellectually, I understood that, that Jesus died for my sins. Intellectually, I understood that there was only one true God. Intellectually, I understood what the Ten Commandments meant. I understood all these things intellectually. But I, I, I really hadn't internalized them relationally. I'd read the, you know, the the reasons to believe stuff by the, um, the, the old earth creationists like Fazale Rana and Hugh Ross. I'd read all that stuff. I'd read the other stuff from Ken Ham and the answers in Genesis, young creationist stuff. Intelligent design was in, it was about to be explode a few years after this. Ben Stein's movie, I think came out in 05, 06, where it really went after privileged planet in 04. So, I mean, I, I studied all of these arguments and I was, I was committed enough to these arguments intellectually that I went and agreed to go get baptized in November of 2002. I Don't laugh. I mean, I took time off of a football Sunday. I don't, I don't do that for much of anything now. So I was far more carnal about how, I, how much of an idle football season was in my life than I, in 2002 than I am today. So the idea that I went there with my wife, my wife was way ahead of me on this, by the way. She, she was relationally immersed in the church the minute we started going. I was not. I was assessing it intellectually. And I probably still knew more facts than she did. But it wasn't, it, there, there wasn't a relationship connection to me. But I thought that those intellectual components were, were the relationship. So I went, did the public declaration of baptism and thought I was good to go. But months went by and I didn't really see a lot of change in me. Some surface level stuff, but nothing that really was fundamental. I'd see other people and wonder why are they so much more into this than me? What am I, I don't have, there's something I'm missing. There's a connection I'm missing here. And that's the mindset that I took with me when I got on that bus that day to go from Des Moines to Kansas City. I had taken every step except the last one. The most important one. And that is 
a recognition of what God wants from me in this relationship more than anything else. And that's, that's to live through me. That's, that's, that's to change me from the inside out so that people see him and not me. In the book of Acts, one of my favorite verses in all the scriptures is Peter and John have gone back to the temple after they were warned not to come back and preach about this Messiah anymore. And they were beaten for it. And it says they went back to their fellow disciples and they counted it all joy that they were permitted to suffer for the name. Think of how much we avoid suffering at all costs as Americans today. The church fathers sought it out. In fact, they were like, dude, something's not right. We didn't suffer today. You know, Jesus might get mad. (laughs) All right, they sought suffering that we seek as Westerners to avoid at all costs. Conflict avoidance, paths of least resistance. Mediation, these are things that we crave in the West. The church was established on friction, conflict. And so they go back. The very next morning, they go back after they were threatened. And they're beaten. And they're brought before the Sanhedrin, which was the leading religious council of the day. And they listen to these common fishermen. And you have to understand they were passed over as children. They were determined at the age of 12, 13, when you enter into adulthood in that culture as a male, it was determined early on. They don't have the intellectual capacity to continue on in the way. So you must learn a practice, a trade to be self-sufficient. And that's what men like Peter did when they were passed over. That's why you ever wondered this strange, because the way this is depicted sometimes in movies is this strange hippie in a white robe shows up while these rough, gruff, roughnecks are, are working on, on a boat, fishing with their bare hands, and says, Come follow me. Amana, amana. And they just look at each other. Oh, the shaman has arrived. And they drop their nets and run off. That's not what went down at all. See, what every Jewish boy in the first century wanted to hear was a rabbi say to them, Come follow me. You're, you've been chosen. You've been chosen to follow in my footsteps to, 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 to learn, maintain, and pass on the way. The worship of the one true God. Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. Every, every Jewish boy wanted to be told, come follow me at this point in history. That was the equivalent of when a college coach calls up Ainsley and says, what do you think of having a scholarship? You've been chosen. We see excellence. And so when, when, when the rabbi shows up to these men now that are grown men that have been passed over and told you're just going to be commoners, and now the rabbi says, I'm going to give you the call you wanted to hear as a child. Come and follow me. That's when they remembered when they had faith like a child, and they dropped everything that they did and everything that they had in order to follow for the relationship. That's what that means. And that's, that's the last thing I wanted to grant. But it's what, it's, what, it's what God wanted from me more than anything else. 
you did this and you did this and you yeah. did this in his name, but. Yeah. Yep. I learned all the facts. I memorized a lot of the scripture, but I, I, I didn't want to give God what he wanted the most. And it wasn't, it, it, it's, it's, it's a certain relationship, my friend. It's the relationship of you come and set up house in here. And now you live this through me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. You're doing this in me and through me. And when I go back to that story in Acts, when the Sanhedrin looked at these commoners, that they, they had, maybe some of the rabbis were sitting in that council that day, we don't know. That might have been the rabbis that passed them over when they were children, because they weren't, they didn't have excellence. It's not the excellence they could see. But they had forgotten that, as, as, as we learned in the time of David, man judges what's on the outside. But God judges based on what's on the inside. So they were passed over. They weren't good enough, smart enough. And now they're going toe to toe intellectually with the elite. And this next line is one of my favorite verses. It says, the only conclusion they could come to is that these men had been with Jesus. When you look at the translation there, when it, when it talks about these men or these common men, do you know what the literal word translation there in Greek is? Idiota is the literal Greek word translation. Guess what word we get from idiota? Do you know? Idiots. Idiots. <laughs> All right, idiots. The elite of the elite looked at these fishermen and this weird eight teenage guy who keeps calling himself the disciple that Jesus loved. So they look at these, look at these guys and they're like, how are these guys stepping to us? Where do they get off doing that? Not to mention, how are they capable of doing it? They're idiots. They're total idiots. Jeff Daniels and, uh, and it has walked in and we're doing dumb and dumber. Except like smart stuff is coming. They're like, do you want to hear these the most the- annoying sound in the world? Jesus is Lord. Now that going, eh. Weren't these guys on moron trivia yes, yesterday? Yes, they're idiots. And look at their, we, we can't, we can't argue with them. Why? Because it was no longer them who lived, but Christ who lived in them. And even their scoffers and detractors couldn't ignore it. Even they had to acknowledge that. Now that, that's a relationship. Like when two become one. Like a, a bride and a groom, which is why the New Testament uses that analogy so often. That, my friend, is the relationship God wants with you. And that would be the relationship I would encourage you to pursue. I could give you, and I know some of you are like waiting for me to like sound off with facts. This guy's already studied all of that. Dude, I had to look up what teleological meant. I'd never heard the word, and I know a lot about this stuff. I'm not going to... This guy's got all the facts. He he knows them. And he wants a relationship. But my friend, you've got to want the relationship that God wants. Because he doesn't do anything halfway. Not even most of the way. You're all in or you're all out. That's hard, particularly, my friend, for intellectuals like you and I or people who fancy themselves intellectuals. We're always looking for distinctions. We're always looking for the escape plan, the exit language. 
really hard for us to just take things at face value. Which, by the way, is also why we tend to be excellent apologists once we go all in in the faith. Because we recognize, you know, we, we looked at all the escape hatches and there's none, and we looked at all the exit clauses, there's none, and we looked at all the other challenges of this and they're weak. But we got to get there relationally first. And that relationship is, are you willing to give him everything? Because he gave everything for you. If you want to take advantage of a booming real estate market and plunging mortgage rates, now is the time to make sure you find a real estate agent that you can trust. And you're going to find one at realestateagentsitrust.com, someone whose record and track record of success has been fully vetted. Otherwise, they wouldn't be listed there. Someone who understands marketing is more than an open house that draws flies, uh, despite all the immaculate cleaning you did of your home. And then someone who understands what the term professional courtesy means. They return messages. When they tell you they're going to do everything they can not to stick you with a last-minute request, they honor it throughout the course of this relationship. This is another arena. We're talking about relationships here today. If you don't have a good relationship with your agent, chances that you're going to be successful in real estate go down immensely. That's why you want to find a real estate agent that you can trust. Here's where you're going to find them. This website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. We've got 30 seconds. Anybody want to chime in here at the last minute? Well, start really reevaluating your comfort zones and you may be surprised something that's not specifically uh, theological, you know, going out, you know, from exercise anything like that i know when i go out on a run hate a lot of times on my mind when i throw everything else but love at the end when i'm outside of my comfort zone comes flooding in you got to reevaluate where are your comfort zones holding you back we're going to stick around and do a little overtime our old friend kurt Schilling's going to show up we're going to talk about whether your brewers can hold on a little uh late september pennant race action with him for the rest of you we are back at it again tomorrow noon to two eastern right after glenn beck until then john 317 This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.